Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, come on, let's open up and I want you to have a look with me. First of all, in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And uh, we're looking at the making of a king because people know, how many love the story of David? Huh? Yeah, well, we, uh, what I'm going to do is I want to just go through, we're going through the life of David, but we're not looking at all the great things he did. That's how people normally, they look at David, they look at all the great things he did. I want to kind of look at the kind of man he was. Because when you look at the great things people do, you mentally position, well, they're the great person over there. And you don't always think really what you could do as a person yourself. And so what I want to do is look at the heart of David. So let's just pick it up first of all in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And uh, this is what God said of him. He said two things. He said two things about him. Well, it's actually said a bit more than that, but I want to pick two things to mention to you. In verse 22, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. So you see, the first thing that God says about him, this is what God said, it's what the Holy Ghost said about him. He was a man passionately concerned to discover what God is like. That's something you and I could make our pursuit as well, to discover what God is like, to discover his heart, not just what he does, not just the miracles, the outward manifestations, but what is in the heart of God? What is it he loves? What is it he hates? What is it he desires? What does he delight in? You can discover those things, and David made that his pursuit. Notice what it says here. He says there, it says, he will do my will. So a man after the heart of God is a person who will overflow and begin to actually do in the earth what he sees God wants done. And so he says in a later verse there, second thing about him, he said, for David, verse 36, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. So we see two things about David here. Number one, a passionate desire to know God and to walk intimately in his presence. He was a heart man. And the second thing is, he had a passion to make a difference in the generation in which he lived. And obviously, he encountered God in a major way because he totally revolutionized worship, the nation, the army, every aspect of the national life. He changed it. What a man. What a tremendous man. The dilemma, of course, is that we, we look at people like that and we say, well, I'd never be like that. But actually, you can draw from the life, the man, what he's like, and actually discover things that you and I can apply into our own life. So we're going to look at that. Before you do, I'm just going to throw out one more thing there in verse 34. God spoke to him and said, concerning him, said, I'll give you the sure mercies of David. I'm not going to teach you about it tonight, but let me just throw this out. That one of the things that God gave to David was a flow of mercy. So much so that David could quite confidently say, that even my failures, God can turn them around and make them a great stepping stone to my success. And when you look in David's life, you find great failures in his life. He wasn't just a perfect boy. There were significant failures in his life. But he's endorsed as a man who walked in the mercies of God. God's, he said in Psalm 23, the goodness and mercy of God's going to follow me everywhere I go. You understand? He tapped into something. He tapped into a lifeline. Now, what happens is we get a mental attitude. Well, if I just do what's right, God's going to bless me. That's legalism. See, God blesses people because he's good. Doing things that are right is your expression of knowing his goodness. And so David so knew his goodness, he could be confident. No matter where I go, what happens, no matter how much I goof up, I can be sure of this. 
I will continue and have goodness around my life, unexpected blessing and favor. And also, if I blow it, God's with me. He's going to get me up again. What a way to walk. What a way to walk. See? He, he made a mistake that cost 70,000 men their lives, but he still said, the goodness and mercy of God's around my life. You need a lot of mercy when you killed 70,000 people by mistake. Can not imagine that weighing on your conscience? Bad leadership decision, 70,000 men die. How do you handle the pressure of guilt? Oh, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And you had to tap into the heart flow of God. God is good. God is merciful. And he tapped into it. Now, let's go into the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to pick up now just where we were. We saw that there are five cities mentioned in the life of David. And uh, those five cities all represent a season in his life. And last uh, week, we were looking at the first season. Then we'll go over there and get back into the Bible. I want you to, on the way back to 1 Samuel, I want you to look with me in Psalm 75. Psalm 75. The first city we saw him at was the city of Bethlehem, or the town of Bethlehem. And we found that represents the season of obscurity. Literally, the season where no one knows who you are. You're just another face in the crowd. So we saw last week, we were looking in that there was a season when David was a young boy growing up to the age of 17, no one knew him. He was so despised and so thought to be nothing that when a prophet came into their home, they wouldn't even, dad wouldn't even invite him to the feast. Nah, get out and do the sheep stuff. Sheep herding was the lowest job you could have. And there's David day after day. And in that place where no one saw him, we found he developed some things. You're going to see it come up again today. We saw last week he developed faithfulness. He was faithful in the little matters. That's something you could develop when no one knows who you are. How many believe God's got a significant plan for your life? Huh? Well, right now, no, the world doesn't know you. Now, one day, it may well do. But today, when you're not known as the day to do what David did and develop faithfulness in the little matters of life. Second thing we saw was he developed a deep personal relationship with the Lord when no one saw him. And the third thing we saw was he developed his character, courage and integrity when no one was looking. There was no one to see him. And so looking at that in your own life, right now when the world doesn't yet know you, when no one may really know you or even see there's much good in you, when you may be young and there's nothing yet really come great of your life and you're struggling with all kinds of issues, nevertheless, you can do what David did and develop an intimate relationship with the Lord while no one's looking. You can develop faithfulness. Whatever little task you're given, you see that you do it. You give your word, you keep your word. You're given a little job, you do your little job well. This is where you're learning for the great things. And then finally... You can learn to develop courage because all of us as young people or whatever stage of our life have conflicts or issues to face, and that's where you learn courage. You don't learn it when everyone's watching it. You learn when the crowd is watching you and you make a courageous stand and it costs you something. So you can learn these things now. This is the time to learn them. No use seeking for greatness. Seek to know God and develop great character. And then God will make the other things begin to happen. So here it is in Psalm 75. Let me just uh, show you something here in Psalm 75. I can see if I can find it. Verse 6. So we saw the first season was Bethlehem, the place where no one sees you, where you learn devotion to God, develop faithfulness, and grow in your character and courage and integrity. Here now we look at Gibeah. We're going to look at the second place. 
which is the place of promotion. We'll get to it in a moment. Notice what it says here. Promotion doesn't come from the uh, east or the west or the south. God is the judge. He puts one down and he lifts another up. So you notice here the Bible's telling us about promotion. Promotion means people get to know who you are. Promotion means you get to be popular. Promotion means you get to be out where people see you. How many like to be promoted? Get up there. But your promotion means you get up ahead. So in your work, you know, you're working at one level. You start off at McDonald's. You start at the lowest job. Then promotion comes. People like promotion. Promotion means more pay usually. Get in a job and you get promoted. That's a wonderful thing to get promoted. And, but the Bible's telling us here very clearly that God brings about promotion in your life. Now, I have observed this in watching people. And in the hearts of many people, there's a struggle for recognition. They want to be noticed, want to get somewhere. And what they do is in their own efforts, they struggle and manipulate and try and maneuver so they can get themselves into a position where they've got influence or significance. Listen, the Bible's very clear on that. God will promote you if you'll do the things you need to do. You see, if you're struggling for promotion, then you'll be afraid of everyone else who looks better than you. But if you can actually put your life in the hands of the Lord and say, Lord, when I'm ready, then you'll change the season. I can move from this thing to something else. But right now, I'll stay where I am, being faithful, being devoted, developing integrity, developing character. And when it's right and the right time, you'll lift me up. Now, listen, this works everywhere in the world. You get into a job situation and you do your job well. You are faithful. You are diligent. You see to the details that boss can't keep you in that role too long. You have to come up. So faithfulness. The Bible says, every man talks about his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. A person will just do the job and get it done and make sure it's done. And there's no hidden agendas in it. If you do things with a hidden agenda, eventually your agenda will be exposed. So you don't have to do Just I serve because I love the Lord. Serving the big thing, serving the little thing. You're going to see this in David in just a moment. You get, I just saw something this week that just amazed me and thrilled me about him. Okay, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to have a look at David's promotion. He's in a different place now. Remember, each one of these cities represents a different, play, a different season in his life. So he's not to 17. So now we're down here to Samuel, or 1 Samuel, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Sorry, I got that wrong. 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Let's read a few verses. Then I want to pull out some principles out of here or some really good life lessons. Now, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. So he's demonized. And uh, that word distressing is literally uh, to terrify, to suddenly come on and fill you with terror. So what uh, Saul had now, he was once a man who walked with God and was doing what God wanted partially. Eventually, he lost his position altogether and a spirit, an evil spirit came around him, and then he would be terrified. Every now and then, be filled with panic. Well, we'd call it today, he had panic attacks. He had panic attacks. And so he's got panic attacks, and he's very distressed. And Saul's servant said, Surely a distressing spirit is troubling you. Now let our master command your servants who are to seek out a man. Now look at this. There's a need arises. Now, it's an amazing thing. See, God wanted to train David to become a king. So he trained him in character, he trained him in, in relationship, he trained him in courage. Now we need to train him in how you be a leader, how you actually rule. So what has he got to do? He's got to get him where he can actually be trained. So what does he do? He allows there to be a need developed. 
and there's a, this tremendous need. The king is having panic, panic attacks, and they said, can we find anyone who can help fix this job up? Is there anyone else here that knows what to do? So suppose you've got a kid in your class, and they're demonized. Is there anyone around knows what to do? I was talking with a young guy from City Harvest Church in Singapore, and uh, he's, uh, he's in the army. They all do military training for two years. And what happened was they were in their, in their hut. with his, He's got his uh, platoon or squad or whatever it was, about a dozen guys under him or 20 guys under him. And then one of them began to massively manifest a demon. Now, all these soldiers in training just panicked, didn't have a clue what to do. And this guy knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly how to confront and deal with the spirit. And that day, they saw him. The guys actually saw him confront the spirit. It left the man, and he came right. And immediately, his standing in the sight of everyone lifted to a whole new level. You see, the, the meeting the need, the capacity to meet a need, positions you to be promoted. If you have developed no skills to meet needs, how can anyone promote you? You have to develop something. You have to have some things in your life that will help people where they're in need, and that will create opportunities for you to go forward in life. Because all of life, promotion involves people and how you relate to them and what you can do for them. You want to really get ahead somewhere? Don't just develop your life with God. Develop a deep capacity and passion to help people, and you will find yourself in opportunities emerge. Uh, in a couple of weeks, there's a lady going to be speaking at the Miracle Center. Her name is Patricia Green. Now, I remember when Patricia Green was here years ago, and she was uh, looking after a home for wayward girls. I think you were one of them, were you? There you go. She was looking after Janice. And after she looked after Janice, we looked after Janice. Eh? <laughs> but uh, so then uh, she felt that season was over of looking after girls in difficulty, not realizing, of course, that God was preparing her for the next thing. She went to and got a heart for Cambodia, went in there and began to work with the kids who were sold into prostitution on the streets. And so what they would do, they'd be, they'd be offered and promised things in the villages that they could come into the city and get a job. They get a job, all right, but they're working as a prostitute. And this is going on on a massive scale over there. And she set up a ministry called Rahab Ministries to reach out to people who are trapped in prostitution and to provide a skill training. Because remember, without the skill, there's a limitation what they can do. So they had to develop. So she set up a Rahab Ministries, which was to outreach to these girls and then provide skill training so they could earn an income Otherwise, they couldn't get out of the cycle that they were in. See, they were limited because of no abilities or no skills. Now, she did that for some years, and uh, what has happened since then is she's been able to raise up someone, hand over the ministry. Now she's working next to you the, as an advisor to the United Nations. So how does a little Kiwi girl get to be an advisor to the United Nations? Well, it just started off helping girls who were in need. And following that through step by step, and gradually it grew and grew, and step by step the Lord raised her up until now she's an advisor to the United Nations in the issue of child prostitution and trafficking of people. Now, how about that? Do you understand that God can make ways for people to go forward? You don't have to worry about that. You've got to worry about what's going on in your life with what you have now. Okay? Isn't that true? So notice here that an opportunity comes. So it said, let's go see, find someone who knows how to play a harp. So they thought that music might help. 
Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. And one of the servants answered and said, look, I've seen the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Now, notice here that needs are opportunities to advance. Notice this, let other people promote you. Don't promote yourself. Let other people promote you. So, you know, one of the interesting things that talks about leadership is that what kind of report do people have? What are people saying about you? Well, what are people saying about you? They'll be saying the kinds of things you're like and what you do and the dealings you have with them. And eventually it comes to a point where you have a whole lot of people know you and they know what you're like, and you never know when someone, there's a need somewhere, and they'll speak up on your behalf and say, oh, I know so-and-so, they'd be just right for that. This is what happened. David never had to advance himself. One day, a messenger came, and he said, listen, we want you to come to the king's palace, come to the place of Gibeah, there's a new season in your life, there's a season now of promotion and preparation for the next thing God has. Now, I want you to see what they saw in his life, because this is the thing, because most of the time when we look at the story of David, we think about slings and goliaths and lions and bears and battles, what we don't think about is what really was going on in his life, and that is what got him into those places. We've got our own battles and Goliaths and things to fight. We need the similar heart and spirit of this man. Okay, then. So notice here what they said. These are the things they identify. What did they notice that led to him being promoted? Here's the first thing. He said he's skillful in music. In other words, he, he had a musical skill. He had an ability. He had a skill he had developed. Have you got any skills you developed that someone could want to pay for those skills? Well, think about it. See, if you have no skill, you're an unskilled laborer. But if you have a skill, now you can do something others can't do. Develop skills. We were sharing about that this morning. So they noticed he had a skill. He had an unusual ability developed from, from a lot of time just alone playing an instrument. I was listening tonight at our instruments, and, and boy, the skill that some of them have. But there was a time when no one saw them, and they were doing the practice and going to a tutor and getting lessons and paying for that and learning the ah! And someone else had to endure all the bad music and... Uh, no longer music, but now it is good music. <laughs> a second thing you notice here is they said he's uh, skillful in playing a mighty man of valor. They saw he had a reputation for courage. A person with courage or a mighty man of valor is a person who, who, when challenges come up, can face them head on and not be afraid and back off. Have you developed skill in your life that people know about? Have you developed courage in your life that people have heard about? Wow, they just stood up. People running down their friends, and they just stood up and stood up for their friends. Whoa, that's something. Well, and the whole class was laughing about Christian things, and they stood up unashamed. Whoa. Crowd all went to the party and were drinking, and they left because they don't get involved in that. Whoa, courage. People going out to sleep with one another, they said, no, I'm keeping myself. Everyone laughed. Courage. You get known. And not everyone likes it, of course. Not initially, but they do respect it. Have you developed courage in your life? Courage means there's issues and you face them front on and don't run away from them. That's what he developed. This is what he was known for. Someone else knew about it. And someone in the right place knew about him. Here's another one who says he's a mighty man of war. Well, he never held a spear or sword yet. But what they knew about him was he had a reputation because he had a fighting spirit in him. Now, how did, how did it be that a boy that, that the family sought so low of that they didn't even invite him to the feast that other people know about what's going on. You see, he'd established a reputation. People got to know about it. When you've got something going on with God in your life, people get to know about it. 
And so he developed musical skill. He developed in his life courage. He developed the fighting spirit. Notice that he was a handsome sp- uh, person. Uh, uh, sorry, prudent in speech. So they noticed how he spoke. He spoke wisely. Didn't mouth off. Didn't run people down. Didn't criticize people. Didn't uh, badmouth people. He didn't complain. He wasn't a negative person. When he spoke, there's something different about this person. He's got really good living words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. When David spoke, there was life in the words. See, notice all of these things. You could do all of these things. See, we tend to look and we say, oh, that's David. I'm here and I'm just this. Now, listen, you can develop these qualities. Then it says, uh, the next quality it said about him is he was a handsome man. Well, you may not be able to do much about that. (laughs) Some of you are praying for one. Don't pray for a handsome man. That speaks of his appearance. He presented himself well. Now, I've noticed an interesting thing. You know, some people are born with good looks. Some people aren't born with such good looks. But what I notice about people is the ones who carry a life within them of God and they're pure inside always look stunning. There is something about a girl who loves the Lord and has kept herself that makes her beautiful and extremely attractive, especially if she's got the other qualities as well. Develop some skill, develop some courage, can stand up for herself and be assertive, and actually has kept herself well. She is really some woman. Isn't that right? Come on now. Inner inner beauty shows on the outside of people. So, you know, people think, oh, well, Lord looks on the heart. Yes, he does, but people look outside. And they judge you up by how you present yourself. So you need to present yourself well. David presented himself well. When he was with people, he not only spoke well, he created, there was a good impression created by the way he presented himself. That's why what you dress and how you dress says a statement about you. You wear low-cut stuff, it says a statement. Come on. Well, it does. Is that the message? I mean, I've seen some girls with some T-shirts, and I've actually stopped in an altar call many times and said, look what the T-shirt says. Is that the message you want people to know about you? He said, is, that's, you're better than that. Who got you to put that T-shirt on? That's not you. You're better than that. You understand? So when you've got statements on you that, uh, that are an encouragement for immorality... That's not a good thing. But it indicates how the person sees themselves, and so they present themselves the way they see themselves. David was loved of God, and he presented himself well because he was secure inside. What about the way you present yourself? Sharp. You don't have to have the latest things, but you can present yourself really sharply. And if you're going to go to the palace of a king, you need to be able to present yourself well. Often what happens is people look at Christians and they look at them and they look so drab and dull and how they present themselves. Oh, my goodness. Whew, keep away from me. See, it was really, in fact, actually, we need to enhance everything God has given to us. It's a part of who we are. And your face is, gives your identity to the world. So make it look good. Smile. Smile a lot more. Okay, well, you all got quiet on this one. Oh, goodness me. And notice here the last one, of course. It says, the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. So they were, and isn't that amazing? It was known that he was, that God was with them. God bless, how did they know God was with them? Well, the reputation must have got out that the Spirit of God was on his life. God is with this guy. How did they know God was with him? Because somehow things seemed to go well for this guy. 
Did you hear the story? Man, there was this lion and he nailed the lion. Man, oh man, how do you nail a lion face to face and grab a hold of his beard and it's dribbling and drooling and its mouth's open, it's ready to, to, to devour you and you just kill it. Boy, I don't know, I've been in front of a lion's cage, I was glad there were bars there, I didn't fancy getting the other side of that. But you see, he had an anointing on his life for that particular work and so he, and he proved it. He actually learned how to work with the Holy Ghost as a young man. Now get this, this, he's still 17 and he's got that reputation. How about that? So, so you see what's happened in the life of David is out of this relationship with God and his response to God, he developed a heart that hungered. One thing of I desired, his heart was for God and he developed serving, he developed skill in music, he developed his character, he developed his courage, he developed his ability to fight, he developed his ability to make a stand, he presented himself well, he spoke well, and people heard about it. And someone said, what you need is David, bring David in. Notice he didn't have to promenade himself, someone else said, that's the guy you need. Today you're preparing for tomorrow's promotion, or you're not preparing for it. See? So I love what I love what Amy was saying. She's off to train to be a teacher. Well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'll be a teacher. Right? In other words, she's doing the preparation, and one day she'll be a teacher. Right? Well, because you've got a clear goal, clear steps to get there, and she's working on some things. What about you? What are you working on? What are you working on? See? Now, So now what happens is, it says, So David came and stood before, therefore, uh, verse uh, 19, Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. So he even knew he was a shepherd. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat, sent them by his son David to Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly and became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David stand before him, he's found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, in other words, when he had a panic attack, David would take the music, the harp, and he'd play with his hand. And Saul would become refreshed, or he'd be released from that demon. Why? Because David had learned how to play in such a way that the anointing of God was released. Oh, don't you love that? You could speak in such a way that God's presence comes with you. You could play an instrument so God's presence comes with you. Or whatever you do, God's presence comes with you into it. You see what he had around his life? See, that's what you desire. That comes out of a, it comes out of a life devoted to the Lord. You could build these things around your own life. Wouldn't be too hard. Okay then, so now what happens is he's now promoted. Now I want you to get the picture. Here's a guy who's in the backside of the desert virtually alone with sheep and now he's in the palace of a king. Now he's standing alongside the king. He's in the place where decisions are made, where governmental decisions affecting a nation are being made and he's right there alongside watching every bit and he's in, he's in training for his day. He's in the wings waiting for his moment to emerge. You think he's worried about that? Not at all. He's just worried about being faithful. I want to show you just a couple of things about him because when you get promoted, when you get lifted up, when recognition comes in your life finally, that becomes a bigger test of your character than when you were alone and no one knew you. Because when people are successful, they tend not to look at the Lord. They tend instead to now enjoy their newfound status, their new privileges. Imagine he ate at the king's table. He was in the king's palace. He, he was there when everything was happening. He had nice room, nice surrounding. had everything going for him. And now he's in a new place. But you know something? He still maintained the same heart he had when he was a shepherd. 
And see, so, so when you get promoted, that will test your attitude. Have you ever noticed some people who ever had an experience where someone came into a bit of money, then they never talked to you? Or they got promoted, now they don't want to know you? See, because their newfound position has caused them to become elevated with pride. And so sometimes success, and particularly success in ministry or success in any area of life, can cause you to become confident in your own ability and lose what got you there in the first place. Never lose the source. So you notice, now I want to show you just something very simple in here. I'll pick out a couple of things and we'll finish. In verse 15, now notice this. David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now here's, get this. He never got an attitude, cocky attitude to his brothers. Hey, look at me. Okay, guys, you didn't think much of me before, but now I'm in the king's palace. Now, you listen to me. I got some things to say. If you don't listen, I'm going to tell the king. You're in trouble. He didn't get lifted up. The Bible says this. Occasionally, whenever he had the opportunity, he would leave the palace and he would go back to the sheepfold and serve his father. Now, that tells you his heart. You see, most people will never go back to what they did before. They're beyond it. You've got to learn to stay. See, the thing is to see in this, is when he was in the king's palace, he was a servant to the king. When he was in his father's home, he was a servant to his father. The real issue was, no matter where he was, he was always a servant. He never drew his identity from where he, his position, where he was. He never drew it. He never thought while he was in this lowly role, I'm in a lowly role, I'm not much, it's not much for me, I'm just a devil. He wasn't like that. And when he was over here, he wasn't like that. Whoa, look at me now next to the king. Wasn't like that there. He just said, I'm actually the servant of the Lord. Now, Jesus was the same. He could be with the crowds and have thousands of people and do miracles, and then he could go alone and wash the disciples' feet, the lowest job. He could, he could flick between being in a position of prominence popularity and favor, and then straight away go into insignificance and doing the lowest job. Why is that? Because his identity was never attached to the job and the status. It was always attached, I'm the servant of the Lord. Wherever I go, I'm a servant. Now, I love that. That is a quality that will get you far with God. That was the heart. That's something that's in the heart of David. Wherever he went, he's the servant of the Lord. Wherever you go, you're the servant of the Lord. See? That's why it's no problem for me. I've learned some of the things over years. I can remember when uh, I was, uh, we set up a Christian school down in uh, Dannyburg. And because uh, I was pastoring the church there, principal of the school, and it's all going pumping, it's all going well. And uh, God wanted to teach me this lesson out of 1 Samuel here. And so one day, all the kids are in school, and someone reports to me, he said, the toilet's broken. There was only a, only had one, a small facility there for the toilet. He had one uh, sit on toilet and it's not working. Now that means you're going to have to close the school unless you can get a plumber. So I rang every plumber in town. No one could get there. And so I stood there looking at this toilet and the Lord said to me, you know what you have to do. And what had happened was someone had dropped a toilet roll down it which blocked it. Then the next person filled it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too nice. And, and he just said to me, well, are you the servant of the Lord or not? If you are, then forget you're a principal and forget you're a pastor. Just do what needs to be done. So I took off my jacket, rolled up my sleeves, 
I don't think I could touch that arm for a month afterwards. <laughs> we didn't have those fancy gloves now that you have now. and nothing like that. I just had to shut my eye. Well, thank you, Jesus. It's a privilege to serve you, Lord. And I did it. And you see, the thing is, you'll always face challenges like that, little tests, to see whether you really are a servant or whether you're a bit big for your boots. Never get too big for your boots, or one day you'll lose them. Right? <laughs> okay, we'll just kind of just draw it into a close now. So think about that. I'll just show you what happens in the season of, prepara- of promotion. Uh, we won't touch it much. Let me just give you a couple of verses. He got promoted, he got opportunity, of course, to slay a giant. And then in 1 Samuel 18 and verse 1, he then the, he, he had a huge favor with the king's son. He got favor with the whole nation. Look in verse, um, verse 14. David behaved wisely in all his ways. The Lord was with him. And verse 16, all Israel and Judah loved him. Verse 20, now Michael, the Saul's daughter, loved David. Now notice this. David is a place of huge promotion. He's become a national hero. The king's son loves him. The king's daughter loves him and is about to become his wife. The whole nation love him. They sing songs about him. He is number one on the popularity chart. And popularity and fame test a person's character. When the crowds came around Jesus, the Bible records, he just got up early and went alone into prayer with the Father and was able to stand up and say, we're not staying here where the crowds are. We're going to another city. You see, to understand there's something in the heart has to be developed to be the servant of God and not worried about the popularity. If you're popular today, the same crowd that are popular today, tomorrow they'll hate you. You ever look at, the, at uh, Britney Spears and what's happening with her? Her wheels are totally coming off. A little while ago, she was fame plus. Now, you just feel sad for her. See, because when the crowd starts to turn, the emotions, if people have built their life around what others are saying about them, they, go, they just go to pieces. You, you watch and have a look. I'm just reading uh, Lindsay Lohan, uh, great star, and here she is. She's in alcohol rehabilitation. One after the other, Kirsten Dunst, alcohol re- rehabilitation. One after the other, all of these stars, and you find the same kind of stuff going on, they're in the place of fame, and they draw their identity out of what people are saying. And when people start to turn against them, then they go down. You've got to have your roots firmly in God. Now, and so in this season, and this is just summarize the lessons you learn, because David's about to get another lesson. He's about to go from being public hero number one to public vi- villain number one, and there's an APB out, kill him on sight. Shoot on sight. That's how people can be with you. Today they celebrated Jesus coming to the city. The next day they yell, crucify him. You've got to actually have something inside yourself that the popularity, what people are saying, what people are doing. Now, young people, this is a huge area for you to grow because as a teenager transitioning out of being dependent on parents to actually become a young adult, what the crowd says about you is important to you. But don't make it too important. Make a crowd around you that will actually reinforce your walk with God. Get the right kind of group around. Connect them with friends that are moving forward with God because if you hang out with the other ones, they'll pressure you to go somewhere else. So we just need to not say there's no such thing as peer pressure. What you do is you create peers around you who actually will pull you in the right direction. So when you're down, you've got friends who are going to lift you up and get you going forward. Okay, we'll just need to summarize the lessons here that you can learn. Promotion comes from the Lord in His right timing. Develop faithfulness and integrity and courage when no one's looking. Deepen your friendship with the Lord. He's the one who'll promote you. He can get you an opportunity. Eh? If the job is your source, 
then when the job goes, you're in trouble. If God is your source when the job goes, I wonder what's next, Lord. Hold fast to your integrity and faithfulness when people do start to recognize you. Don't get too filled with self-important. And then you have to realize that when your identity is secure in the Lord, you'll be stable no matter what people are saying about you. The time that you start to rise up and start to gather fame and start to become recognized is also the time when against you will start to rise people who are jealous of you. And if you'll have a look here, I'll just finish with this last thing. That season of promotion lasted in David's life 17 to 23. It's about how many years that is? How many years? Six years. He had six years where he was in unusual favor in the nation, and then it all turned against him. You notice here, if we just pick it up, and you'll see it here, it says in verse, uh, in verse uh, 5, David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he behaved wisely, and Saul sent him over all the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of people. Now look at this. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord is with him and had departed from David, and Saul demoted him from his presence, made him captain over a thousand, but he still behaved wisely. He got a terrible public humiliation right at the end of the season when he was doing his best. Promotion and popularity doesn't last for very long. You know, they call 15 minutes of fame. So don't live for 15 minutes of fame. Live to please God. Live to walk with Him and discover His heart and to find a way that you can please Him. Develop the skills in your life. And if people promote you, thank God for the privilege, but stay a servant in the middle of it. If people rise in envy, don't be worried about it. Your promotion is always from the Lord. He was there at the top of the army, then he's demoted down to a thousand. When we next see him at the next place, we'll find he's in the period of total rejection and abandonment, when now there are new lessons he's got to learn in his life. You're in a season, if you're under 17 or 17 and under, you're in the same season as David, learning the lessons of devotion to the Lord, how to build intimacy with the Lord, how to be faithful, how to develop skills, how to speak right and present yourself right. If you've come out into the place of recognition, now there's new kinds of tests. Will you still remain a servant? Or will you position, I'm too important to do the little jobs now. I don't do that. Someone else does that. Listen, you're never too big to do the little jobs. Keep that heart of a servant. Then if you're promoted to great places, you're still a servant. If you lose it all, then it doesn't matter because you're still a servant. Your life isn't in what the circumstances say. Your life is found in you. Lord, my life is in you. My strength is in you. My hope is in you.